This is iFanboy Media Splode 35, Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Among Thieves, and Ranking the Films of Quentin Tarantino. It was a teenage wedding and the old folks wished them well. You could see that Pierre did truly love the mademoiselle. And now the young monsieur and madame have rung the chapel bell. Hello, welcome to iFanboy Media Explode, episode 35. My name is Connor Kilpatrick, and I'm here with Josh Flanagan. That's me. Hi. And Ron Richards. You sons of bitches. <laughs> I, came in, I came in strong. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're back with our monthly Media Explode show, brought to you by the patrons at patreon.com slash iFanboy. They unlocked it for everyone to enjoy, and this is the show we talk about non-comic book media as opposed to what we normally talk about on our normal shows, which is very comic book focused. This is general media discussion. Uh, there may well, there shouldn't be any spoilers in this. Well, there might be in the Dungeons and Dragons segment, but we'll see. Yeah, there might be some stories. So just so just just, just yeah. chill. Light spoilers. There yeah, may light be spoilers. light spoilers. Just chill out. We're not going to chill. We're going to get started with our regular segment, what we've been enjoying since we last talked. Before we get to our main points of discussion, Josh, why don't you kick it off with what you've been enjoying? Well, the thing is this. You've heard this before. But the thing about a movie is... A movie is a way to transport yourself in your regular life to something that, that's beautiful. <laughs> so you two had mentioned, you guys had mentioned before, I couldn't stop for a week. I couldn't stop talking like Robert Evans. But it was <laughs> so it good. was a Matthew Good Robert Evans, which was easier yeah, for me. Yeah, a to, little nasally. Uh, yeah. That's what you do. You, you do it right up in the <laughs> yeah, back. Yeah, do it up there. in the nose. It's, yeah. 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 <laughs> it's, it's because he burned his septum away with cocaine and cigarettes, I guess. That's, that's the only thing I can think of. So I finally ended up with uh, Paramount Plus, thanks to a uh, wonderful deal I got from my wireless provider. <laughs> so I had it for a year, and the very first stop I had was to watch the offer, which um, you guys said you should totally watch it. And and what's what's interesting about it is that I knew I was going to like it. I knew that it came out sure. about the same time as Winning Time, and it was like a air quotes true story. I had listened to Al Ruddy on WTF as as my good friend Connor insisted I do. So I was not uh, unprepared for well, what it, it was. It says based on Al Ruddy's yeah. experiences oh, yeah. making. Like it doesn't say based on a book or based. It's and just that's like, what I love about it, by the way. Based, based on, on Al Ruddy's experiences, <laughs> yeah. is like, well, that's a lot of interpretation. But because of that, like as we went through, it's got a, it's got it's got a Ruddy filter. Yeah. As we and having heard Al Ruddy speak for a while, I was like, oh, I'm ready for this. Yeah. But I, I still think that you guys undersold this. Wow. Because. Yeah, wow. We were, we were high very on it. Well, which is good because if maybe I didn't, I didn't, you know, it's like you got to watch it. But I thought it was more like you got to watch it because you know this stuff. You know the Godfather yeah. back to front. You've, you know, you've, you've read Robert Evans's books. You like this era, all that stuff. And I was like, it's sure going to be great. But I think what, and I, I watched, watch, I've been watching it with my wife. And to be fair, I have not watched the 10th episode because I don't want it to be over. Sure. I mean, like Lindsay's like, can we please watch it? I was yeah. like, we want to have time. We won. I, I did what I wasted. Um, <laughs> so, uh, but like, so in my mind, I was like, I, I for some reason, I did was like, I don't know how, I don't know how good it's going to be. I think I'll enjoy it or whatever. But within moments, and really, Matthew Good sort of showing up as Robert Evans by the end of the first episode, I was like, oh my god, it's a, it's just an good. amazing performance. This is the greatest thing I've ever seen. Like to totally, <laughs> and and I think Connor, you'd said at one point, like it's not an impersonation, but it's it is an encapsulation. Yeah, and and that again, I, I don't know if you're listening to this. I didn't just explain anything. Robert Evans was um, head of Paramount in the early '70s. Uh, he, he had a hand in many classic movies. He is a he's an outsized personality. And I said to my wife, I was like, 
you know, if you didn't know that Robert Evans was a real person, you'd be like, this is ridiculous. Nobody would act like this. <laughs> but really, I think he soft played it. Uh, and then you you go along the line to the the casting in the thing, which like it took me about an episode to realize it to make me stop. Um, realize I was looking at, um, oh God, what's his name? It just went away. Goose's son. Help me. Miles Teller. Miles Teller. There you go. Um, went right out of my mind. And, and then once I did, I was good. Uh, but I mean, the thought, the parts that really got me were the casting of the real people with whom I am so familiar. So Coppola and, and Mario Pacino. Puzo. Oh my God, Pacino. Like, did <laughs> they have a time machine? <laughs> like he, that was crazy. Uh, Brando, which was like so strange to the dude from um, Karev. Yeah, Karev. It was, Karev. Like, it was great. Good saw job. It right away. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. whoa, I couldn't wrap my head. I couldn't see Karev. He was good. For a little yeah. bit. Um, you know, and then it gets into, I know that the mafia stuff in it is. All wrong. Yeah. Oh, it's just—it's completely—it's com- like but, so wrong. But who cares? <laughs> no, it, it's, it's a fun yeah. show. And I told this to Ron when we were watching at the same time. It's that there was a bit in the middle where I felt like, okay, did they really want to make a mafia show? And they like had to wrap it in Godfather because they were like all in on the mafia for too long in the middle. I thought, but mm-hmm. overall, I, I re- you know I, I fucking loved it. I just thought they just. I felt like they had enough with just The Godfather before. They didn't have to go into crazy oh, Joe totally. Gallo. Like they, 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 really, they, really, they really did. I mean, like because the thing was is that how Ruddy uh, – also, I love that we said we we're going to be quick about this. <laughs> I love how um, uh, the, the, the how Ruddy was able to get the movie shot in New York. You need to tell the Ruddy mafia kind of sure, like – like like yeah. the Like, yeah. like have, having having uh, Giovanni Ribisi read the script and get his right. – that whole – that scene of him with his glasses <laughs> and opening the page <laughs> and then telling, telling the – telling the bodyguard to read it like all that sort of stuff nobody will um you need you needed that and you needed the the ruddy photo op when when they took when he when uh they they they, uh, right but you needed no that did happen that that absolutely did yes it did i looked it up he wasn't there no, but the 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 Gulf and Western donate right. like them going to the press and all that that absolutely right. happened. Ruddy like, was and, not. It affa- and it affected the stock price oh, and all that sort of I'm stuff. I'm thinking yeah. of the assassination. Ruddy yeah. wasn't there. You're thinking sorry, the assassination? Yes, exactly. No, but the the Ruddy in the, on the photo shaking hands with him in the paper mm-hmm. and talking about Gulf and Western and and it directly affected the stock price. That's what got Ruddy fired for the first. Well, time. The, 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 um, the thing about it though is that at the at the end of the day, uh, you know, and actually you know knowing bob evans's story and listening to you know reading his yeah. books and everything is he talks about what producing is and it's one of those words that if you it, it doesn't mean anything it's a it means everything thing to most people and yeah. this was a show that yeah. was really i mean the that's a very fantastic stuff aside this was a show really about producing like who is yeah. the guy and you don't if you know the godfather you don't you, you might know al Ruddy's name but i didn't you know what I mean? Like, oh no, yeah, yeah. And how well do we know the, the exactly? The, the and concepts. so you give you give all this credit to uh, Coppola, and I knew to give some credit to Evans and 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 the actors. Puzo. Yeah, and Puzo Puzo yeah. is the greatest yeah. character in the history of television on this show. <laughs> by the way, yep. as Connor said, he's um, just happy to be there. <laughs> but yeah, exactly. But that, that actor was great, so too. good. But um, but going back to the mafia thing, like like you needed those bits because it is part of the story. But the moment they shoehorn Crazy Joe Gallo in there, and like and and even had the gall to suggest that they're shooting the Godfather the the same day slash night when Gallo gets shot in yeah, but, in, in Little Italy, like is that's come come no, on. No, but that's you know? that's like, the thing about it because the things about movie telling and the magic of movies. And so what they did, yeah. there was all these 
subtle references to the movie. So by doing that, what you're doing is you're referencing the baptism right. and murder. Yeah. Uh, there's a, there yeah. was a bunch of that, you know, in, in the movie yeah. that kept going. So it was, it was like you're to me. People are like it's not right. It's like no, they're adding the magic to it. It's a comment on cinema, in and of yeah. itself, which is beautiful. Um, I loved it. I I I, yeah. I loved it. So I'm, I'm glad. It's one of those things. Like I I don't want it to be over, but it has to be over. And I was like, can they just do a China lot Town. like the American crime? Do, just do them all. Yeah. yeah, whatever you can bring yeah. good back for. Yeah, do Chinatown. Do yeah. love. How does story? he not get an award? How uh, how does he not get an award for that? <laughs> It's so good. Yeah, no, I would watch this as a series all about Evans. 100%. 100%. Yeah. Don't go to Texas. Oh. Uh. The man who says he knows the mind of a woman <laughs> is a man who Don't knows let her nothing. Go. Uh, so I'll do two real quick. This will, be, this will be fast. So, I mean, there's a lot of things on right now. I feel like a lot of our favorite shows are happening right now. It's so like Perry Mason and Succession and Ted Lasso and The Mandalorian. And even as you hear this, Barry will be back. Barry's final season, Succession's final season, Ted Lasso's final season. But I wanted to mention two shows, both in their final season, both that we've been watching, at least I've been watching for a while, both at very different ends of the spectrum. On the good side is Riverdale, its final season. Oh, wow, it's still going? It's still going. It's it's the craziest show on TV. And from uh, reasons involving a comet, a meteor, and magical powers, they've all been zapped to the <laughs> 1950s. So now we have the classic 50s <laughs> version of... Archie that I've wanted since I was a little kid when I was a huge Archie reader. They're literally riding around in jalopies. He's got the crown on. Uh, you know, it's wow. like they're doing. I mean, they're doing it. There's a lot of social commentary, and they're out, they're not going to do it the whole season, but they're they're doing it full on. You know, investigating Kevin Keller being in the closet and having to date Betty, but being unhappy. And Ethel wanted to be a comic artist, but she's a woman, and she so she can't get a job. Like they're they're trying to investigate that stuff through the '50s lens. But I just love the iconography of it. I love finally getting to see uh, Archie as it was made in the comics, as we never got to see on the show before. So I was enjoying the hell of it. On the other side, oh. ironically, is the Baton Death March that is the Flash final season, which oh. uh, this is a show that I absolutely adored for years, and Ron can attest to that. And yep. Me too. The last three seasons or so have just been miserable. This is a show they wanted to get to 10, 10 seasons. They got to nine. They should have probably quit after six They've run out of yep. ideas. They've run out of cast. They've almost completely turned over the supporting cast that people don't care about. And it's just like, luckily it's a shortened 13 episode season as opposed to a full length season. But man, there's still like five to go and I just want it to be over. I couldn't like, and, and the, the, here's, here's a great testament to that. And I love the flash as a character and I really love the show after, um, after what's his name. Who's now in everything I watch. Um, um, Cisco yeah. left. Um, he was in Gaslit. Now we're, we're watching uh, up here on Hulu, oh, right, yeah. um, and, he, and he's in that. But um, uh, after Just he left, I just couldn't, that was the death knell of the show. I, I couldn't, I couldn't bring myself to finish that season. And honestly, I couldn't even. And like, and also the schedules are all screwed up with the pandemic yeah. and all that, you know, all that sort of stuff. And I just never got back on the treadmill, ironically. And honestly, like, I didn't even know it was still going. Yeah, this is like, it. It's and completely. I mean, the only thing, uh, there's no a worth, movie coming out. It's going to be fine. Yeah. Well, the only noteworthy oh, yeah, thing yeah. is that they're they're having uh, Stephen Amell come back as Arrow because he was very upset about the way his character ended. Uh, so oh, they're geez. giving him sort of a goodbye through, and he was the creator of this continuity, right? The Arrowverse, it's called the yeah. Arrowverse, and so to have him end it because this is the last show in the Arrowverse, so it makes sense. Right. But God, I mean, it's a bummer because I really did love him. It was the best CW superhero show forever, and uh, it's just it's a it's a testament to the American TV problem of keep it going 
long after its expiration date and drive it into the ground. Uh, the, it's the anti-succession. And I know this, this, yeah. this, this is called the What Have You Been Enjoying segment, but it's really what we've been watching and what we're going to talk about. It's, it's what, do you, what do you want to and, talk about? That's fine. You know, uh, I still, I'm still watching it because I, I do respect it and, and enjoyed it. But man, just it's just gotta get, gotta go, just gotta go. Yeah, just I, I mean, yeah. The, what, what is the? Uh, I may not like you, but god damn it, I respect <laughs> you. Yeah. Well, okay. Well, I'll be the only quick one out of all that was of you. Relatively um, to be, but to, I, uh, hey, you guys made mine long. I didn't. Yeah. So I watched. I've watched many, many things, but the one thing that stuck out since we last talked was I was on a flight. And I was looking for some reason. I like to watch documentaries on planes. Okay, I don't know why. That's, that's all right. Better than pornography on planes. I know that much. Yeah, that was. Yeah, that, that, I tried to learn that the hard yeah, way. You're not kidding. We all. But, who uh, hasn't? Uh, really, I was flying from Texas. I was flying from Dallas back to New York, and it's not you know like it's a you know it's it's not a six hour flight to California. So like you got to find one that can fit in. And um, uh, I remembered that I had in my oh I want to watch going back to 2018. Uh, the documentary on Netflix, "They'll Love Me When I'm Dead," which is uh, the, the true story of the last film of Orson Welles. Whoa. And I've been on my list and, a long well, time. Well, listen, bump it up, my friend, because <laughs> this was fantastic. Huh. So I didn't realize I didn't realize that it was directed by Morgan Neville, who most recently I feel like on this show I talked about he did the Bourdain documentary. Mm. Uh, Roadrunner, a film about Anthony Bourdain. He did Won't You Be My Neighbor? Remember the Mr. Rogers oh, documentary wow. that just destroyed us? He also did, remember from the Oscars, uh, geez, 10 years ago, 20 Feet from Stardom? Oh, great documentary. Josh, he also did a, but he did a, he did in 99, his second movie was about Brian Wilson. Hmm. He did in 2010 a documentary about Iggy and the Stooges. Oh, I've seen that. Well, he did right. a Sam Phillips yeah, yeah. documentary, so, Muddy so Waters, like, I'm like, Frank Williams, Johnny Cash. Yeah. And I'm like, man, I, I, like, I think I might really like this director. <laughs> Keith Richards. I think you just like the music he likes. <laughs> so, yeah, true. So, what happened was that Connor had been reading the Hollywood oral yep. history book that we got each other for Christmas, and there was a throwaway Orson Welles, like a little section about directors where people talked about Orson Welles and that. And I was like, man, I, I love Orson Welles. And then I was, then that was like a week later, I'm on the plane. I'm like, I need something to watch. I'm going to watch that documentary. This was so good and so batshit crazy, lightly narrated by Alan Cumming, which is always a thumbs up for me. Huh. A lot of Peter Bogdanovich. I didn't realize they were as close friends yeah, as they were. For sure, yeah. And the story of the of his last movie, The Other Side of the Wind, is just is just crazy, and it just and it's just it, it just delves into the late era Orson Welles, you know, ness of it. Which, if you love movies and you love film and stuff like that, you I think you got to watch this. It, 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 this is fantastic. So, Josh, you should you should seriously Great. pump it up on the list. It is so good. What so, if I just like his commercials? Uh, they they, they, they didn't touch on the on. commercial. They did touch on the commercials, but they did show the clip from the Muppet movie, which made me very happy. So, get me the famous, <laughs> the, the the rich and famous contract. <laughs> so this is Netflix for the people. Netflix, yes, yeah. yeah, on Netflix, yeah. they'll love me when I'm dead, and it just and now I gotta now I gotta I gotta see if I'll bring myself to watch the version of the other side of the wind that they put on Netflix. The the documentary was just fantastic. Strongly recommend. Awesome. All right, so let's move on. This is the last minute edition of the show. We all figured out that we had all gone to see Dungeons and Dragons: Honor Among Thieves over the weekend. A new movie, a new film. And I went to the cinemas yeah. to see it, and so we, we thought all we'd... went on opening weekend. We did. Wow, that's true. And so I didn't go opening. Wait, I just confess, I, I went second weekend. Oh, oh this, no, we, went second weekend. Play we went second weekend. Second weekend, Josh. Oh, I don't know. That's that, yeah. that's my new play, by the way. Now I don't go opening weekend. Like, wow, you're brilliant. <laughs> right. Yeah, I go the second weekend because the theater's more emptier and I don't have to deal with the noise. We saw the second weekend. <laughs> so, yeah. 
So this is uh, – It's not so much about COVID anymore. just about annoying Oh, yeah. People. Plus, you get the Mario <laughs> bump. All good. Which, by the way, I was I was in this theater, and it was still packed. It was still filled. I guess I if, – Connor, if you saw it second weekend, I saw it third weekend, I guess. Um, uh, but – or second weekend. I don't remember. But um, there were some freaking teenagers in there. Oh, I'm sorry. And they were in the front row, and then they moved to the back row, and they kept on getting uh, up. And this is like in the first third of the movie. And I swear to God, J- Josh, I was channeling you. Mm-hmm. I was like this close to getting up and going, if you don't sit down and shut up, I, like, I, I almost said something. But <laughs> and that's how then Ron they settled down. So, so uh, this is the second <laughs> Dungeons & Dragons film, right? Third. 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 third? I think. There was, the, there was the one with the guy from Party of Five in 2000. Right. And it was the one with Marlon Wayans. Unless was that was the that, same was one? That oh, the one, the same I'm one. oh, you know what? No, it's a dungeon. Same one. Dungeons, There's only been one. Dungeon yeah. Dragon 2000. Oh, I don't know why I thought that, but either yeah, way. Jeremy Irons, Marlon Wayans. That was that. And, and I think, I, you know, I never saw it. Got very excited that it existed, but very quickly became apparent that you shouldn't go see this because yeah. it, is, it is the kind of movie like it's so it seems like it'd be so easy to make a really fun movie like that and then it, like no one could do it i'm sure it's been in um pr- you know development a hundred times right yeah uh, and well because th- th- this is this is the problem and this is the problem with the dungeon of dragons movie or the challenge with the dungeon of dragons movie is that the hollywood filter will either try to do one of two things which honor among thieves did neither which i'm mm-hmm. which i'm happy about but it will either try to make it so Tolkien-esque right. that it is just not engaging and it's boring or whatever. Which right? is not Lord of the Rings. Or, right. Or, right, just not Lord of the Rings. Or it will be self-mocking and yes. hammy or send-up or whatever. And Honor Among Thieves really landed in the well, middle right of it. Right down the middle. Yeah, in, in, right down the middle. In the fact that what I liked the most about this movie is that it unironically existed in that universe in totality, and it, 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 it was it was fine with it. It was proud of it. Yeah, it, exactly. Yeah, and but like that's the thing. Like my wife was asking me, she's like, "Oh, it was like did they do a thing where like kids are playing the the game and then it becomes?" I'm like, "No, no, no. It just takes place in the in this world." And they they and, very subtly yeah. in that way referenced the game in a way that sure, wasn't, I, but there wasn't like I, a I, dice I, joke. No, there wasn't a dice joke, but like I and like and I wouldn't even say fan, we talk about fan service, right. but like I, I mean, I giggled when they said Baldur's Gate, right? And, and then know, like, like yeah. at one point, she's like, "Well, I have a rope," and I was like, "Oh, they're playing the game here, you know." And then they couldn't use <laughs> yeah. the rope, and it was really well because well, that, that's the that, yes. that's the other thing is that in, in addition to it unapologetically and unironically existing in the world of Dungeons and Dragons, the movie also felt like a campaign. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I right I, in, I, that, was in that in that, that way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it definitely well, felt be, like that. And the, like yeah. even the whole yeah. first, not even the first act, but the preamble at the beginning, I was like, "This is the dungeon master setting it up." Mm-hmm. And there was never yeah. a dungeon yeah. master either, which I liked. Yeah, I, I didn't want to yeah. see that happening. But like, the director w- was the dungeon master, bringing us through the right. thing that was really cool. And and like and like the 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 spells and like the stuff that happens in it, like happened just as they exist in the universe mm-hmm. as they should, you know, like it was like, yeah. it, it, I, I don't know. I, I, I it's just think, all work uh, oh. oh, sorry. One more, more, a little bit. I think that tonally it scratched a little of what would be my star Wars itch. There were silly aliens yeah. that were taken seriously. It never winked. It never indicated that anybody knew they were in a movie or that a silly thing was going on. It was fun. But imagine it was a very full world. It was f- yep. familiar, but without it was familiar as a as a Dungeons and Dragons type thing, 
but not as as Tolkien, like you said. Like it didn't have right. that same. It was its own thing, which was Dungeons and Dragons. Um, well, well, Jonathan Francis yeah. Daly and Jonathan Goldstein were the writer directors, uh, along with Michael Gilo Gilo on uh, writing. But they're you know they're pretty hot. They've they've done a lot of things uh, lately, and I think what they they tapped into is there's a strong strain of Dungeons and Dragons in Hollywood. Uh, it, oh yeah, it's not sure. surprising yeah. because it's a, basically a long improv game. But I mean, and, and and like that, that's the thing. Like I, I walked out of this movie wishing that they would do a Dragonlance movie because that was my D and D, like the books I read and stuff like that. And then sure enough, somebody on social social media said that, oh, Joe Maginianello is yeah. developing it. Yeah, sure. Like, yeah, he's a huge, he's a huge and D&D like, oh, he was in Mythic Quest. Yeah, yeah okay. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> to me, I mean, I, I played, I didn't play Dungeons and Dragons, but I played the Star Wars version, which is basically the same thing in high school RPG. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, but you know, I knew this was on the radar, but I wasn't planning on seeing it. But then the first trailer. I saw it in the theaters and I was like, well, fuck. And it's because they had a cast who was extremely charming and game. Like at this point, Chris, like Chris Pine Star. can sin yeah. and sell anything. Wait, like, yeah. But it wasn't like, I'll, well, I'll tell you what he can't sell his various hair pieces in this film, whatever. Cause those were, those were, no, those were noticeably bad. <laughs> but, but the thing, the thing was, is that that cast didn't have like, the hip ingenue. It didn't have. It didn't have the person that stood out because they were there because they were popular, or beautiful, or new, or whatever. It was like it was a good cast. It was a strong cast. Like Michelle Rodriguez is. Is I feel like I haven't seen her in a while because I don't watch Fast and Furious movies all the time. But like, and she was awesome. Like it. Like that was a. It wasn't specifically a gender swap role because it wasn't a character that existed. But a lot of times, you the warrior, the barbarian, yeah, the strong like. One. Like and the the fact that she was a woman had nothing to do with it. I thought that was done really, really well. You had Justice Smith, who you know, it's been in a lot of cool stuff. And at the end, I go, Lindsay, I go, he's not British, no. but like he just saw, like, he did great. He's he's good. He's yeah. good in a lot of things. He was in oh, what was the the Bob Lerman show about rap? Uh, he was in that. Yeah, the the, the yeah, that, he the was in Detective show. Pikachu yeah. with Ryan Reynolds. Um, Great cast. I was really happy about it. And Hugh Grant at this point doing a really interesting late career for a while now of playing mm-hmm. kind of the bad guy all the time. And, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, noted Hollywood grump Hugh Grant. But, you know, Reg, Reg- Jean Page. From- uh, uh, Hugh Grant and Reg Jean, Jean, pa- Reg, Reg Jean Page, was they were the standouts for me. I love Hugh, I thought Hugh Grant was a blast mm-hmm. and Reg as the paladin. And like that, like th- that was it was so well played. It was he, good. Yeah, that whole that right. whole. That whole scene of going to get the helmet, you know, like a felt like a D and D quest. It felt like an adventure. It had a great Dosas Machina with the with the walking stick. That's actually a wand that does portals, right? Like that that whole portal effect was Hither, fun. Hither. Like yeah, <laughs> it, it, yeah, it was. Uh, it was I really, like, yeah, it was, I really it was like good. that they brought him on and like he's beautiful. You know what I mean? Like Lindsay was like, oh my god, I love him because uh, everybody watched Bridgerton. Uh, seems to feel that way, but I love that they made him really boring and uninteresting. <laughs> it was like good, that little touch was such a good choice, you know. And, and everybody's like, "Oh God!" It's like, which is a little nudgy winky, but not like you're in a movie nudgy winky. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's funny. Is I walked out of this movie thinking, "Oh, that wasn't awful. It wasn't great." But th- now I'm talking to you guys about it. I'm realizing I liked. It, it I think I liked it, it more than I initially thought. It didn't need to be great. It was, no, it was just fun. fun. It was yeah. exactly what it like, was supposed so, to be. Yeah. One of my coworkers put it put put it great in that it was a ton of fun, and I would watch five more movies mm-hmm. like Knives Out with different casts set in this world yeah. with the same kind of adventures, like hands, like easily. It, it and I was, was like, that's like very a well, well, modern put. reinterpretation yeah. of what we loved in '80s movies. Yeah, Willow. Yeah. What you know, like whatever. Yes. 
Fantasy, fantasy. Yeah, but also just like a tone where it was fun and not so. It was just that that balance, but not in a retro way. It wasn't like uh, Super Eight was a movie that was supposed to be like an older movie. It was really refreshing that it wasn't at all embarrassed to be what it was because so mm-hmm. many of these yeah. superhero films come from a place of embarrassment. Like they never want to say the character names. They're always like, <laughs> you know, I'm Shazam. <laughs> it's silly, I know, but like they don't they don't ever have that tone here. There's never a feeling of embarrassment, and so as a viewer you go along with it because they're they're not like ah oh, i mean it's i'm technically hawkeye but that's that silly like right no, that's never happens in this movie which is great but all the names were like not quite imaginative or different enough from it was like yeah, somebody the at the t- so like eldred yeah. or what you know like they were yeah. they were half normal name with okay. a little sound on the end <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I just it just totally. I thought Ronald, your coworkers talking about is just like a win for the tone of the film, which is that yeah, yeah. it's incredibly exactly. fun. You can mix and match. I, I think Josh, there was a cameo by the animation characters. Yeah, yeah, the, the anim- animated characters were the other ones in the maze. They and it, and it was great because I was like, I saw them immediately. I laughed, and Lindsay looked at me. I was like, long story. <laughs> they, they, they never talked. Yeah. You saw them yeah. briefly, you moved on. It was, I thought, a really nice Easter egg that was not called out. I, th- that, that's the kind of thing like did, didn't feel the need to be like, oh, we did. Did you see what we did? See right. what I did there? None of that. Yeah, and that's, I think that's how it worked. My, my, two of my neighbors on, um, to my left are both, they're all both big D&D households, and we had to talk about it. Uh, um, and they, so they said it was. It sounds like you had an intervention. No, no, Listen, like, we, we need to have a talk about they these had, parties. They had, gone to, they had gone to see it opening weekend. And we they, so we were having a, you know, neighbor drinks, and we were talking about the movie. And uh, they said it was packed full of Easter eggs and nods, but in a way that for someone like me, who's played it 25 yeah, years ago, right. doesn't even know that I'm missing something. And that's the best way to do Easter yeah. eggs. As well I heard the same thing about exactly. it. Agreed. Yeah, I, I went back to look up like to see to confirm the Easter like like the 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 fact that he kept on giving the sorcerer stuff to hold, right? infinite bag yeah. of holding. They never said it, right? Right, but like that was that you know like if you if you're in the know, you got it, right? Yeah. And like that's the best way to do but it. But you weren't yeah. missing it if you weren't. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, and you weren't and you weren't mugging for the camera or waiting for the reaction or anything like you know what I mean like that. Yeah, best. Yeah, they 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 totally balanced it the right the right way to do Sam it. Sam Weir is not screwing around. No, John Francis Daly, good job. Yeah. And Jonathan Goldstein, who did some great movies. He did yeah. uh, Game Night. He did Horrible yeah. Bosses. Uh, not Some not great movies, but those are both wonderful. How did yeah. you guys feel about the big celebrity cameo in the middle? It was a real double take kind of thing. But I like Who was the celebrity cameo in the middle? Bradley Cooper. Oh, right. Yeah, I did. I right. I forgot about that. I was like, is that? <laughs> yeah, no, no, because wait, he was, no, he was kind of no. skinny and he, he played against type. Yeah. Completely, and he just kind of looked like damp and <laughs> little. I thought he was good. I thought he was no, no, good. I don't mean it in a bad yeah, no, way. No, you're like, right. I'm laughing because you're right. Yeah. He did. He yeah. looked damp. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just he looked damp. Like yeah. he'd been soaked outside, and he was just like, hey, yeah. you know, and he was really sweet and unassuming. And she has a thing for little folk, little dudes. <laughs> She's got a fetish. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was, it, everyone was good. I mean, I liked even, and it, even kind of morally gray, a little like Hugh Grant's character takes, you know, Chris Pine's daughter away from him, but he's not nefarious. Like he's trying to raise her because she because he's in prison and he has grown attached to her. In as much as he can do that, and he's and he's and he's very upfront. Yeah, about who he is and what he's. I'm a con man. <laughs> Should have trusted many man. times. Um, yeah, just everything was great. I thought. I, I, I mean, like, is it the best we've ever seen? No, but I did. I have a really good time at the movies. Yes, I did. But I mean, in a world where you know everything is so 
serious and you know wrapped up in sort of political uh posturing like we've been talking about like we're the fun movies mm-hmm. that are actually i mean that are made for us but also the kid my kids wanted to see it they had a great time and you know like i also was like there's gonna be i told before we went i was like there's gonna be some fart joke and that'll be our kids favorite and there was no fart jokes like there was no there's none of that like it was all organic again that would because that would have been a wink it would have been a thing you know they didn't do it's great Let's see how's really it doing in the box it. office. I mean, also just not not under two hours, but just over two hours, not super long. Two fifteen, but most of that most of that last fifteen is probably credits. Just doing pretty well. I mean, over a hundred million dollars worldwide. It's uh, it's a good worldwide movie. It's uh, I think it's really fun, and I, I hope they do another one. I would love to see another. I hope I hope this leads to more Chris Pine. He's you know he yeah. is a movie star. Yeah, but he he his movie star time was a little short, and so it's cool to see him come back. And no, but I'm saying is he he when he goes on the screen, right? He's, oh, a, yeah. movie, he's yes. a movie star. You can't take yes. your eyes he's, off him. Yep. He can be funny. He can be serious. He can break your heart. He he, he you know he can do all those things in one movie. Yep. And, right. and uh, there's a reason why he blew up after Star Trek because he he has that quality, and he's not afraid to look silly, which is a good quality. To yeah. Have. Meanwhile, Carl Urban should have a much higher profile because of Star Trek. I love Carl Urban. Oh, God, I tell his, you, I just, I mean, like, I know I briefly, yeah. quickly talked about the the, the latest season of The Boys, but he is so good in just everything that he's yes. in. Like, go, going back to Dread, like, give me another Judge Dread movie. Come that was on, good. give me more Carl Urban. It was good. Yeah. His right, TV show was along. good. His sci fi TV show that he did was really good. All right. So, that, so, like, what do you rate this movie then? What do you rate? What do you rate? Rating? Ratings. 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 <sighs> like, I feel like I'd grade on a curve. Like, what is it? I don't know. It's a solid four, but in, I was gonna say I was gonna say solid four, maybe four, but four point two five. Yeah, but like in comparison to like like I haven't had this much fun in a movie in quite a while. The fun factor, as they call it. Yeah, and 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 like as a person like we are, know a lot of things, have a lot of expectations. Old, it ticked so many boxes. There were so many things I could. I mean, you just heard us talking. There were so many things I could say like this was great, it was thoughtful. It was you know. But without being overly burdened, it wasn't like it was trying to impress me. I just thought, oh, those great choices. Yeah, I think I think I think four is a good number. Four, yeah, four feels like the right. We number. We didn't mention yeah. Sophia Lewis, the last member of the crew who was the shapeshifter. I thought the shapeshifting stuff was all really fun. Mm-hmm. So there you go. I've, yeah. If you haven't seen it, Dungeons and Dragons, we haven't. We try not to spoil it. Honor Among Thieves, really fun. If you, if you are a DDM player, if you're not a D&D player, I think it's worth seeing. Word for sure. Agreed. Let's move on to our main topic of the evening. Ding, 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 we ding. were talking amongst ourselves about Quentin Tarantino and discussing that at, at the time we started talking about this, it started leaking out about his final film. He, he has very clear, you know, said many times he's going to make 10 features and that's it. He's going to retire. He's very, very, feels very, very strongly that most directors returns diminish after 10 features. So we, we know, we know it's, it's called the movie critic. And it, it takes place in the seventies, and it is not about Pauline Kael. It's, oh, I thought it was an adaptation <laughs> of the John Lovitz animated series. No, no, no. But he's 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 on his it book stinks. tour. It, he's on his book tour in Europe right now, and I saw him on the book tour in the in the states. And there was lots of talk and stuff like that. That's where he revealed things and all this sort of stuff. And it's, every time he gets on stage, he reveals like a little more. Whether and he's not doing it on purpose because he can't stop talking. Right. You know, like that's the only reason why. But it is interesting because like reading both reading his book and seeing him speak, he just like 
like worship the ground Critics. Pauline Kael yes. you know, walked on, right? Like like a significant portion of his of his book Cinema Speculation is about it, the whole book's about movies, but a significant portion is about critics and critics writing about movies. Um, so it's fantastic and it's interesting to see that the next movie is of that topic. But I thought I laughed when I saw like the movie critic is not about Pauline Kael, despite him idolizing. So her. before we get into it. <laughs> I mean, I'm never one to count him out, but was anybody a little disappointed to hear about the premise of the film? I'm not. No, I'm all for it. That's a little bit. I just heard about it now. Okay. Well, just a sl- I mean, like, well, okay. I mean, it's, it, I'm sure it'll be interesting, but. I see a real possibility for a slippage, but you got to give him credit. I mean, if you were to pitch most of those movies that it, we're about to talk about, sure. you might not. Well, know. Connor, I mean, like, like I'm excited about it because it's clear that cinema speculation is like his research. Oh no! I, I think if it, right, anyone's you know. going to make an interesting film about the conversation about film, it's him. And look, which it, is really, which is really fucking interesting now, actually, because we, we, I didn't, I didn't plan this. <laughs> but if you go back to, if you go back to my, 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 what I'm watching pick and the Love Me When I'm Dead documentary about Orson Welles and his last film. So Orson Welles' last film is a film, and like, and you got to watch this documentary to hear Orson Welles kind of explain it or like what it is. But the film, The Other Side of the Wind is about a it's a film within a film it's a satire of hollywood and it's focused on a director attempting to make his final film right and it's very even though wells says this isn't about me but it's very kind of you know kind of fascinating in that and so it's interesting to see the parallel now of Tarantino going forth to make his final film about a movie critic in the 70s in the time period that Tarantino himself came up in film idolizing movie critics, right? Like there's something in the mindset of the of the filmmaker and the director that leads them to this sort of self-referential, self-referential, possibly satirical kind of approach on the industry that they have become, you know, that they have chosen as their profession slash become a slave to. Right. Yeah. And he's and that's clearly on his mind. I mean, he's he's written uh he wrote he wrote the Cinema Speculation, which was all about talking about films, but even Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was was less about the movie, yeah, more about, about movies, Hollywood yeah. itself and the business yeah. of Hollywood. And and if you look at and, and and if you look at all his well, nine films, anyway. they're all different genres of films that tie back to movies that inspired him from the seventies watching, you know, going to Grindhouse and or going to, you know, double features and all this sort of stuff all around California and 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 some in where was he in Nashville or wherever he was for a time of his life. But like it, it, it you know he he did a western he did a world war ii movie he yeah. did a crime movie right yeah. like he did a kung fu movie right it's like all like he's just he is just recreating the stuff that he loved as a kid which i think is which is is that all anybody does i guess right yes uh, but he did it without being ashamed of it i sure, love yeah, kung fu yeah, movies yeah. i'm doing he i mean he put his and that stamp, comes across he put yeah. his stamp on it but it was yeah. organically and it wasn't about deconstructing or reinventing a genre it was doing his version of it which is a very different thing than somebody trying to like reinvent it make it you know i really want my stamp on it he was like i don't i don't want to put my stamp on the genre i want to do the genre which there's something very pure and interesting about that yeah i I mean i like it 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 goes without saying by the way we're all huge quentin tarantino fans with the right before we rank the films it's it's, i want to ask like i I mean, I, he, I guess he's my favorite current working director, which is strange to say because I haven't seen all these movies in the theaters. I... But like, I was trying to figure out who whose films I get more excited for. I think Christopher Nolan is up there. 
Chris Nolan, Fincher, 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 uh, Fincher but he's kind of moved to TV kind of full time. Which is the saddest thing. Yeah. I think you're right, but uh, but I would say for the longest Scorsese. time. Gerwig. Yeah, but here's the thing. For the longest time, as long as since I have been aware, after Pulp Fiction, um, which I didn't see in the theater because I wasn't aware enough at the time, I did see it in, in Texture, which was where they showed movies at college. I don't remember I how old it was. I guess. Of, of sorts. Uh, and, I, and I actually saw Reservoir Dogs for the first time at Cornell Cinema. So I've seen every movie. In, uh, anyway. I saw, I saw Pulp Fiction at, so at Cinemopolis. When was, when was. Remember uh, Cinemopolis? Yes, I do. I saw, I saw Michael Moore's second film in a theater that was about the size of my office that I'm in right now. And I was the only one there and I had a cold. Anyway, since Jackie Brown came out, what's that? 97. 97. Okay. I've seen every one of his films in the theater and I saw the two prior to that. And I don't think there's another. You saw dr- the Hateful Eight in the theater. I did. Twice. I went to the Roadshow. I went to the oh, all film Roadshow. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. I, I saw every movie in the theater, and I can't think of another director whom I have done that for for that long. And and I have not gone to see every Scorsese movie since then. I haven't even right. seen every Scorsese movie since then. So interesting. There's a good good argument for it. Ron, what yeah. do you think? What do I think about is, what? Is he one of your favorite? Are your favorite current? Oh, movies? hands down. Yeah. Hand, I mean, hell, I, 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 I jumped at the opportunity to go see him, to go to his book tour thing to see him speak. Yeah, no, I love, love the guy. Love him. I don't love the guy. Oh, I love him. I love him. I love, I love the way he talks. I love his approach. I love his, like, you know, like I just, I just, I, I love the the reverence for film yeah. and the, you know, and, and and much like Robert Evans, go another callback mm-hmm. to earlier in this show. He he is a larger, as far as I'm concerned, he is a larger than life personality that shows that honestly, like he is probably the closest to our generation auteur. Like successful auteur, oh, that not, there not is. the closest. He's about yeah, the he only is. one. Yeah, yeah. Like he, is- he's done all this stuff on his own terms, you know. And like, and sure, he's done. You know, he did. You know, he did. You know, we we know he did True Romance. You know, he you mid nineties. Uh, he was making a living. Before. He was making a lot. Yeah, of living he was making a little scripting. What was the What was the one with George Clooney? What was the uh, Dust Till Dawn? Right. He did a He did a script punch up on on The Rock and It's Pat. And right. Crimson Tide, like he did a lot of yeah. stuff. Yeah, did it a lot. Yeah, I think he's fantastic. I'm, I'm, I, and and of of his nine films, I have seen uh, one, two, three, four, five, six in the theaters. Yeah, it's weird. I, I'm, I was looking at the list. And I saw five, and I think it's, it's weirdly the middle middle ones like Django and. And glorious bastards I've seen in theaters. More like the mid two thousands. I don't know why I wasn't going. No, the early two thousand. Well, no, I don't know. I didn't I see Kill the, Bill in the theater either. I didn't see. Yeah, I, did. I didn't see Jackie Brown, Kill Bill, or Hateful Eight in the theater. Interesting. So those, those are my three. The films, so there's nine. There's technically ten films. We're counting Kill Bill as one film because everybody counts yes. as one film. So the nine films we're ranking are in order of, of release: Reservoir Dogs from '92, Pulp Fiction from '94, Jackie Brown from '97. Then it was Kill Bill in two thousand three, and Kill Bill Part Two was the next year, two thousand four. And then it was uh, Death Proof in 2007 and Glorious Bastards in 2009, Django Unchained in 2012, Hateful Eight in 2015, and then Once Upon a Time in Hollywood in 2019. So those are the, we're, not, we're not counting Four Rooms, which was not his film. He just did a section of it. It's not, we're not counting it, and no one's counting it as part of the Tarantino canon, or at least the, you know, the, the singular films of Tarantino. Just like we're not counting his ER episode, although if we did, it would be high on the list. <laughs> so... We're going to start with number nine, all of our number nines. Number so nine. Going to do it? Josh? Sure. Let's do it. Number nine. Number nine, uh, coming in with Jackie Brown. Whoa. Wow. Wow. Whoa. Wow. Now, I was going to say, I was worried about Jackie Brown not being high enough on my list, but man, number nine. Wow. So for me, it was the one that I was looking forward to the most. 
And I would say that I had a somewhat undeveloped mind and sense of uh, the history of it and whatever. And and so I really didn't like it the first time because I, I wanted to like it. Oh, a lot it was more. certainly I mean, I remember I remember it talking was, about it in college. It was, it was coming out of yeah. Pulp Fiction, everyone is expecting Pulp yeah. Fiction again because at the time right. we didn't know who he was. I didn't know yeah. I and I didn't know black exploitation as well, a we, genre. We just didn't know didn't his know yeah. you know, most people make the same right. movie over and over and over again. Right, so right, we were right, expecting right. Pulp right, Fiction yeah. again. It wasn't that now. Yeah. Now going going back, like, but if I'm, I, I I watched it again not too many years ago, and it just. Uh, by the way, this is not a an objective like this one well, this is good. Is this take is bad. A very long time. No, no, no. It isn't. I'm just. I just like yes, this is. is this is how much I love the movies. That's that's that's. Yeah. What no, my no, no. I'm not saying. I'm not saying you you talking about this movie. Yeah, no, is gonna take a long it, time. It. Us getting through all nine is gonna yeah, take yeah, a very I long know, time. I know. I know. So that's yeah, that's yeah. mine for that. I don't need to explain everyone. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. I think it's because everyone was expecting a badass Robert De Niro, and we got we got the very different Robert De Niro in that movie. Mine is Death Proof. All right. I just don't like that, you know. Mine is Hateful Eight. Wow. You don't know, like Westerns? No, I, I don't like Westerns. B, I watched it and I can't I can't tell you what happened. I, I don't remember. Like, it didn't stick with me. It just Daisy didn't Daisy Domergue. Yeah. It was a play, All right. really. All right. I mean, yeah, number eight. Number eight. Number eight, Josh. Death Proof. I really enjoyed Death Proof in that we watched it after Planet Terror and it started at 2 a.m. and I thought it would have been much worse. We all saw uh, Grindhouse in the theater starting at midnight like they used to be. Can you imagine doing that now? Seeing a movie at 2 in the morning? Oh my God, no. Oh, it, it's, it just, I thought it was very light but very like fun and Tarantino sort of speaking through, he did the whole thing. It was, it was, he did it exactly in the spirit it was supposed to be, but it's not yeah. like a thing I go back and watch or quote. I, I want to point out for me personally, this is just for me, I like all of these movies. Yeah, so yeah, like, this, right. this is just yeah, yeah. a forceful ranking of them, but I'm not saying any of these are bad movies. I like Correct, all of them. Correct, agreed. It be it being the la- the last and the second to last doesn't mean they're bad. It just we only have nine to choose from mm-hmm. ranking them. Josh, I'm also with you at number eight as the as a uh, death proof, um, fun, enjoyable. I never really separated it from um, Planet Terror. Uh, Planet Terror. I always saw them as like kind of together, and if, to me, it kind of felt like an aberration. Um, but knowing that Tarantino and Rodriguez are so close, and it's all this sort of stuff, and the whole grind ass genre type thing and zoe bell and all that fun stuff but um uh yeah it, it was fine you know like it was enjoyable i'm so. going kill bill volumes one and two at number eight wow mm. i would like to i haven't seen them in a long time i'd like to rewatch them but at the time kung fu is not my favorite genre yeah there's things about it i really like there's scenes i can still think about and remember dialogue in them and i think there's some great performances i wish warren Beatty had taken the role of bill that would have been a whole yep. different movie but it's just not my favorite. It's not my favorite. Yeah. Well, so I like, I like it. It's just not my favorite. They'll transition us to number seven and Kill Bill. Lock, I lock in a Kill Kill Bill for number seven for me. Um, similar reasons, Connor. I just like I, I never. You know, I never. I didn't see him in the theater for whatever reason. I missed. I just missed this whole. Two thousands, man. I don't know. What um, happened. Two thousand three, two thousand four. We were playing Warcraft. I guess it was. Um, yeah, you're right. And uh, and I don't really like kung fu as a genre. I get it. I respect it. Uma Thurman is great. You know, the, so many folks in the cast are great. I, you know, I get the stylized. Like, I could tell you scenes from it and looks from it from just from the permeating culture. It's a lot. It, 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 and I and I rewatched it for this conversation this past weekend, and it's still th- thinking that like, oh, now twenty years later, let me, you know, like I'll, I'm, I'm I, I have a better eye. And nope, it still still didn't stick for me. So, Josh, oh, number seven. My number seven is going to be Hateful Eight. It was a movie I very very much looked forward to. It's very long. Mm-hmm. And it's basically a locked door mystery. 
great cast, really wonderful uh, Walton Goggins in there. It is really fun, but it uh, it doesn't quite. Again, I oh yeah, Kurt Russell was great in that. Anyway, um, I really liked it, but but uh, you know, it's not one that I go back to uh, a lot. I have gone back to it, but like when they put up, isn't there like a much longer version on Netflix? I think. I mean, I can't imagine that. (laughs) So, uh, my number seven is Django Unchained. I've only seen it once. I should watch it again. It's got, you know, Leo, it's got Jamie Foxx, and it's got, uh, what's his name? I always forget his name, the German guy. German guy, Christoph Waltz. Christoph Waltz. Waltz. He won an Oscar. I've only seen it once. I need to see it again, but. Do you own these movies? No. I own most of them. Any of them. I don't own Jackie Brown. I have a DVD of Death Proof. Oh, no, I, own I own Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I own the rest of them on Blu-ray. Yeah. Um, I own a bunch of Blu-ray. I have Bastards on Blu-ray. That was right during that Blu-ray time. So. Yeah. Six, um, six. Well, well, number six, Connor, I keep, you keep segueing in. Number six for me is Django Unchained. <laughs> I remember seeing it in the, in the movie theater, enjoying it. I thought it was really good. Just it, it comes at number six. It's interesting how many of these sort of hover around each other. My six is The Hateful Eight, which Josh mm-hmm. just picked for seven. Great performances. I saw the Roadshow, which had the, which had the um, intermission in the middle, which we really needed because we really had to pee. See the seventy millimeter. Yeah, yeah, it was beautiful. It's a play. It's a locked door play. It's like one set, other than the first shot or the first scene. It's all in the set. Takes place in this one small cabin. I, I loved the gag about the door. That <laughs> killed me. Yeah. If anyone's going to do a film where you get eight great actors in a one room and they're just mm-hmm. going to talk to each other and then start killing each other. It's Tarantino. Yeah, and it's, it's pretty I, good. I thought it's, yeah. you know, I liked it a lot. All right. We're on six, six, six kill bill. Interesting. We've, talked, right. we've talked about it a lot. We all have death. It proof, is, it, kill bill, Django and hateful eight in the bottom four. Yeah. Yep. Well, that tells you something. All right. Well, that's going to take us to number five and I'm going to check in with Jackie Brown. At number Mine five. is also five. Jackie Brown. Well, yeah, and again, you know, like I think we summed it up already. I think we summarized it, but it, but recognizing that it is well done um, and putting it above the westerns and the kung fu. I, I don't, I don't denigrate it. I think it's a great movie. I, yeah. I love. Yeah, you know, there's a bunch of actors in there. First of all, it it, it, it resurrected Robert Forrester's career, who went on to have a really solid career afterwards, and he is a great actor. Yeah. Um, it allowed someone like Michael Keaton to do Tarantino dialogue. It had a really interesting De Niro, Michael which Keaton. you weren't expecting. Michael Keaton uh, playing the same character that he played in uh, Out of Sight, yes, which is Steven Soderbergh's movie. Same yeah. n- same character, same yeah. name. Yep, crossover. And uh, you know Samuel Jackson. I, I think it's really good performances. It's not what we were expecting at the time, and I think it it pales from coming after Pulp Fiction because everyone you know yeah. everyone was expecting mm-hmm. it again. It just wasn't that, and and it, you know I think. If it came out today, it'd be a different reaction to it, I think. Yeah. Timing. Timing is everything. All right, Josh, what's your number five? My number five is Django Unchained. I loved this movie. I loved how, I mean, I think it was probably the bravest thing that he had done since Pulp Fiction in that. It's brutal. It is brutal. It's a slavery revenge movie. And so it's so violent that you're like, ooh, I don't know. And then you think about what it's being violent towards, and you think, yeah, okay, that works. Yeah. I mean, at the same time, it's a romp in a way, but it really doesn't it really doesn't hold back in terms of how awful I mean it's 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 an exploitative way to do a slavery movie, but it doesn't hold back on how awful it is and uh and how awful the people were, you know, by making it sort of cartoonish in that way. 
just because otherwise I don't think you'd be able to handle it. Classic DiCaprio, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, it, it, like, like he's, of 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 he's all the of all the, of all the meme, yeah. yeah, of all the meme usage from Tarantino films, I think the 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 Leonardo as the southern yeah. well, plantation what, owner one we see more often what, than anything. What so. I remember that, and then uh, Samuel L. Jackson as as the the house slave. Uh, yeah. What I remember from it though is, you know, I thought Jamie Foxx is a weird choice, but I really liked the way that they did him as sort of the cowboy hero. And then yeah. Christoph Waltz was, I just loved his character in that. You know, just a, a good man who wants to do the right thing. Who's very, you know, good at. He's a dentist. Is that what he is? Or I forget. But yeah, yeah, I've watched that a couple of times. I really like that film. All right, number four. Speaking for stuff, Waltz for me is Inglorious Bastards. You could have just run that first scene, which I think that first scene is what won Christoph Waltz his first Oscar. Sure. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, the absolute masterclass of tension in that scene, mm-hmm. where the yeah. Nazis are looking for some hidden Jews, and they're all we know. We know where they are. They're under the floorboards, but uh, he's trying to figure it. It's just the, that scene is just, and the movie's great, but that's the scene I think about all the time. Mm-hmm. Is that one scene? Yep, yep. And yep. Brad Pitt. Oh. What are we number four? four? Yep. Mm-hmm. I give it to Reservoir Dogs. I know, I know. A lot of people, uh, you know, first one, best one, all stuff like that. And I think Reservoir Dogs is fantastic and is great for me. The top four is like inches, mm-hmm. uh, right? Yeah. <laughs> well. <laughs> My top, like, my top two are very separated from my from the rest. Oh, my but. top two are, like very, but anyway, Reservoir Dogs I think is great. I think it also has to be the fact that I didn't see it before Pulp Fiction, right? So like, mm-hmm. I feel like there's a probably a revenance for people who rank it higher as like the first one, and then Pulp Fiction mm-hmm. happened, and I was a little late to the game there. The people talking at a table scene, definitive, you know, the use of music, Stephen Wright. I mean, you know, like <laughs> I've listened to that soundtrack a lot, and with his little his little bits, yeah. I think of that scene. By the way, mine's number mine's Reservoir Dogs, my number four also. So okay. I'll just yeah, I can just join you here. That scene where they're talking about where Steve Buscemi's talking about not tipping Mr. Pink, yeah. you know, and I get so mad at it because I'm like, they make less less than minimum wage. That's why, <laughs> you know. And, and I always want to say, I think of oh, Christ, what's his name. The, the the thing that's what he called him the older man Tierney yeah Lawrence Tierney and and when Tarantino describes it he said I thought of him as Ben Grimm as the thing and he's looking through his little book and he's like Toby Toby Day <laughs> to- <laughs> Toby Wong I think of it all the time <laughs> I constantly said say the fucking word you're gonna be okay <laughs> all the time I mean it's it's I'm gonna use this term later but it's music. Like I hear those lines, I hear that stuff like music, and yeah. I, I don't know how he got all those fucking actors. Kaitel having never he directed, got, he got Kaitel through the yeah. The yeah, script, yeah. the script got Kaitel. Kaitel got everybody else to join. The 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 scene with Michael Madsen uh, stuck in the middle with you, and he holds up the ears. And he goes, "Hello." I was like, "Oh my god!" Oh, <laughs> I saw that. Be quick. I, I, yeah, no, I said I saw this movie. Um, I took the the VHS tape out of the oh, library geez. at Ithaca. You stole it, and I was. No, no, I, I like like checked it out, and I watched on a little TV, and I was like, I don't know. And then, like within a year, I went and I saw it projected at, at Cornell Cinema, and I went, oh, yeah. like I, yeah. it, it was, it was one of the first, it was a really revelatory thing for me to go see a movie projected and get it. You know, I was yeah. like, oh, it's a, it's a film. It's it, that really made a big difference to me. I'm sorry, I can't. You stop know, I, talking I can, about it all. That's my number three. So I might as well just say a little bit. But I, I, right. I can see why. People thought they knew what he was, right? Because Reservoir Dogs and sure. Pulp Fiction are both crime. Uh, non-linear crime films. 
Yeah. And so I, I'm assuming at the time we all, you know, everyone thought the next one would be a nonlinear crime film. And then after that, he's basically, that's it. It's, he's often running yeah. in a different direction. So yeah, it's interesting to see how his career progressed after those first two films. But yeah, Reservoir Dogs is still a, I mean, it's not his first film. Like he made a feature film from before that, but it was not, not like for real. Right. It's amazing that this is his first real movie. It's amazing yeah. Yeah. how much confidence he has in himself. And anyone who's heard him talk and read anything, he's very full of confidence, is able to pull this film off with those actors. And they didn't steamroll over this kid. Like, yeah. it's incredible how uh, good it is for uh, the super small, low budget it was. Really, really great. Yeah, so, so that's my good. number three. Ron, your number three. Well, my number three is Inglorious Bastards, which, uh, you know, seeing. I mean, the crystal, like Connor, you mentioned already, the crystal fall scene in the beginning is it, uh, by itself is is brilliant. But then just the 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 rest of the film, I remember seeing it in the theater in San Francisco opening weekend and just really like Brad Pitt and Tarantino mm-hmm. a pairing that I never really thought of. And but it does work so well. Um, and just like the World War Two adventure aspect and just like, you know, killing Nazis, which doesn't get better than that. Right. <laughs> so it's uh, so for me, Inglorious Bastards is, is very high up on my list. So there's tensions of that in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood in the historical revisionism. Yeah. Yeah. Which- yeah. He returns to the themes throughout different films in different ways. Yep. So, yep. yes, Django and Change, same, yep. same sort of deal. Mine's number three is also Inglorious Bastards. Any other filmmaker in the entire world, this would be my favorite movie they ever did by a long shot. <laughs> yep. I I didn't know what it was when I went to see it. I didn't even know what it – you know what? Actually, there is a certain point. It's probably around Django Unchained where I refuse to watch the trailers. Hmm. Yeah. Because I was like, I don't care what it is. I know I'm going to love it. So the less I know, the better. And so yeah. I went into this film and, you know, it's an all-time Brad Pitt. Like, every yeah. word he says is golden. The rest of his crew, uh, <laughs> the Bear Jew, <laughs> Sam Levine for some oh, reason. So good. I know. <laughs> it's just so Novak. good. Paul Rust is in it. And yeah, it's like, like oh, it's, yeah, it's just such a good, yeah. All of that <sighs> is... So memorable. Christoph Waltz, like Connor said, that first scene, but then, you know, like the later bits. And I remember the moment where it turned and I went, this isn't real. <laughs> like he wasn't trying to fit it into World War II as like, this is a Nazi revenge movie. And like he burns a theater full of Nazis. Yep. And again, and I, I said earlier, like Hateful Eight was so long and the Glorious Bastards is so long, but I don't, I didn't care. I could have sat there for six hours. Yeah. I would have been fine with it. Yeah, I love that movie. So good. So, do we all have the same top two? I think my, we have to. I mean, it seems like it. Yeah, yeah. It's just a matter, number two a matter is, of it's a matter of which one. Okay, is so here's it. where yeah, it number, gets interesting. Yeah. Cards on the table. My yeah. number two, Pulp Fiction. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and it's inches. It's inches. Pulp Fiction is terrific. Uh, it's groundbreaking for the time. It encapsulates and epitomizes the '90s independent cinema. I know our film professors in college hated it, mm. but I get it because every fucking film student in, in our class is trying to make right, Pulp Fiction. That's the problem. Right. It's eminently rewatchable. It features some all-time great performances. It you know resurrected John Travolta the same way Robert Forster was resurrected. Yep. Jackie Rabbit even in a, in a bigger way in Pulp Fiction. It made Samuel L. Jackson. It made Samuel L. Jackson yeah. a star. Yeah, it, yeah. It, I mean, Bruce Willis was always the best actor of that 80s action movie class, but it really brought mm-hmm. a new dimension to his performances. Yep. It introduced me to Christopher Walken. I'm, I will talk about it in my turn. It is rightly regarded as one of the great modern films for good reason. Yeah. Now, I mean, now don't get me wrong. I I love Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. 
like Connor, I mean, you and I have talked a lot mm-hmm. about this at length, and I, you know, strongly recommend everyone to read the book. You know, the the novelization that Tarantino wrote after making the movie, which I find hysterical. But once upon a time in Hollywood, I could just watch a supercut of the driving through L.A. scenes <laughs> and be happy. Right the um the entire Manson family section with Brad Pitt and that whole se- sequence. It it is it no movie has encapsulated everything about Los Angeles and romantic late sixties time in Hollywood before innocence was lost before, you know, before Manson and before all that sort of stuff, before things really went to the shitter. It did for that period of time. What I think boogie nights did for the slightly later period of time. Yeah, yes. Agreed. Agreed. I mean, I, I adore it. I just like, the, I, I, I will rewatch the Brad Pitt versus Bruce Lee fight scene over and over again. It is very funny. Like it is, it is balances humor, you know, dealing with masculinity and stardom. Um, it, like so, so many, you know, then, then you've got the whole Sharon Tate side of it. And like, and then this idea of, you know what the movie title is is and we've talked about it on the show already in the past like once upon a time hollywood this is not real this is a this is a fairy tale of what happens in the backdrop of hollywood and like the moment when you realize we're like oh wait Sharon Tate's going to live what like, it's just so, I, I, I remember know. watching yeah. it and picking out the details i was like that's not right yeah. and sort of you putting it together again and then you go wait i've seen those other movies he did yeah. so i just i just love once upon a time hollywood so 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 much I absolutely adore it. It, it. Any other director or any other filmography, it probably is number one, but dot, dot, dot. <laughs> so, yeah, my number two is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, like I said. Went into it knowing absolutely nothing, which was which was wonderful. And I, I got to say, I didn't know that I loved it when I was in the theater or maybe even immediately afterwards. But there was a lot I loved, and I realized – We've talked about this before because I'm uh, no, I'm cranky and I don't really like anything anymore. This is the last movie I've I saw that I loved. Well, yeah. I've I've watched it. I don't know about many times, several times, probably four or five times since then, and I can't get enough of it. I've never gotten sick of it. It is. It's like any other movie I love. Goodfellas. I can just keep watching the scenes. The thing that got me, if I have to pick one thing, is that I think that that this is the finest performance of Brad Pitt's career. What yeah. he did. Yeah by being a calm good dude who just really cares about his friend with the best dog in the world you know and then and then he undercut that slightly by the idea that he might have killed his wife yep and you don't get resolution on that they don't yep. tell you what happens and so that's always there in the background and just his sort of calm coolness. Like, I was like, that's the man I've always wanted to be. And I never will be. I'm, no, I'm nothing like that. You know? <laughs> oh, when, he, when he's fixing the antenna. Yeah. On, on, oh, my God. Like, just, yeah. just like, <laughs> He's just like, whatever you need. When yep. Cliff Booth is, yep. I, I, it's such a good game. And he just played it so well. You know, and this is a guy whose who's work I love. It is wonderful and magical. It's, it's, yep. uh, it's so great. So this is a nice transition, Connor, to why is it your number one? Similar to Josh, when I walked out of the first time I saw it at the Cinerama Dome here in LA, which is makes an appearance in the film, I wasn't sure what to think because <laughs> I wasn't prepared for the historical switch, even though I'd seen all of right. the other films. And I was yeah. so thrown off by the the non the you know, the the, t- the moment when the film in history really changes when Brad Pitt's character goes, takes his dog for a walk and sort of walks into the mist. And that's sort of where, where the, the fantasy comes into play. I, it, it took going out 
having tacos and margaritas and talking about it for an hour and then seeing oh, it again so- at the New Beverly Cinema, his theater, which is also in the movie, and realizing I loved it, buying it on Blu-ray immediately. I've watched it all the way through 20, at least 20 times. I've watched parts of it because it's always on stars at least 50 times. It's always on, like every day it's on and I'll throw it on for five minutes. I think it's his most complete film. There's no mm-hmm. flaw in it. There's no fat on it. It's it's super long, yep. but it could be twice as long as far as I'm concerned. Uh, more driving scenes, it's a, it's a very similar yeah. arc to me in Hail Caesar, which is a film I walked out of and like, what the fuck was that? And I'm not sure I liked it. Yep. And now I love it. I've watched it probably I gotta like watch 10 that times. Again. Yeah, I like Hail Caesar a lot. Yeah. It just was unexpected, and, and it made me think. One of the reasons why I like it so much is Coen because Brothers. it's- yeah. That's one of the other ones. Coen we Brothers. forgot about that. Coen Brothers, Sorry. Yeah. Uh, it, makes me th- it made me really think about- why I loved it or didn't love it, and I, that's one of the—it's one of the only films on this list where I've had to really sit down and discuss it and pick it apart mm. and go, oh, "Well, I love that. That's why this works. That's why I like it. This is why I was confused. Now I understand what he was trying to do. Like it really sort of made me tear it apart in a cinema way. I play the soundtrack all the time. It really hit me where I lived. Yep. In a list of Literally. nine films that I all love in some way or in fashion or another, it's just my favorite. That's just—I mean, the, the novelization is terrific. Everything about it worked, and he. Turn this 60s Hollywood hangout film without a real plot into a $300 million plus worldwide grossing film. Yep. If that's not magic, I don't know what is. <laughs> well, Could you do that again? <laughs> if that's not magic, baby, I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. We'll be listening. Um, you don't even know. I mean, all that stuff, I totally agree with it. And the reason why Pulp Fiction edges it out for number one for me was all the things, Connor, you said at number two about Pulp Fiction, about the performances, about what it did and stuff like that. For me, Pulp Fiction represents, which was a transformative year in terms of media maturity and like understanding. If you look at the other films that came out in 1994, right, you had, you know, you you, you know, like, you know, up there in terms of like movies of movies, but like this was the year of Shawshank Redemption, of Forrest Gump, of Star Trek Generations, Connor, right? Like The Crow, right? Stargate, right? There are all these kind of movies, you know, like um, uh, Ace Ace Ventura came out that year. Definitely like a world, but it was also the year that I saw Clerks. And it was the year that I rented uh, Slacker by Linklater. And it was the year that I watched Pulp Fiction, not knowing what movies were like that weren't studio blockbuster Forrest Gump. Came you out know, the like perfect whatever, time. You know. We were, yeah, we came, were, came out, yeah, it was the, we, it was the, we're it was the perfect the, age for all of we're these. We're juniors like, in exactly. high school when this comes up. When exactly. And we all yeah, went to exactly. film and TV school right when it started. So. Yeah. So I, all the grain of salt. I, I remember the theater I saw Pulp Fiction in. I remember who I was with. I remember the feeling walking into the seat, sitting into it, the feeling walking out of the theater and talking about it at, at 17 or 16 or 17. And just like, and, and like trying to process what I just experienced, both from nonlinear storytelling. Cause at that point I, I, you know, nonlinear storytelling was not on my radar in any way, shape or form. It was very linear. Right. And understanding the, the cultural reference point and all this sort of stuff. I mean, I'll sum this up. Uh, they just announced a Pulp Fiction pinball machine uh, last <laughs> month, and and I already put a deposit down. I'm getting it because it's just like I played it. I played it at in uh, at the and text- white guy award goes to. <laughs> no, but I mean, like, like it was it was like talk about talk about like the theme. Like it was just it, it just like playing that game brought back so many memories and so much of like what it feels what that movie feels like, and it's so good. And there are times that I will I quote it constantly and like and not just like 
and, and, you know, like, and you guys know this, I mean, I think that like, you know, it's, it's, it, you know, everybody can, you know, the, there's the standard kind of quotes, but like, I'm quoting like Eric Stoltz lines from this movie. Right? <laughs> that's like, my wife. Like, <laughs> that's my text tone when my wife yeah. texts me is, Frank that's Oliver, my Frank wife. <laughs> um, so yeah, I just, I mean, Pulp Fiction, it just is the top of the top and it's, but it is inches, like millimeters ahead of once. Upon uh, before time. Josh gets into it, I, I remember going to see this because uh, we took a limo. To the theater because uh, some of those a, a group of us, including a girl, gypsy cabs, a girl I was uh, no, not gypsy cab, a fucking stretch limo, a girl I was yeah. seeing from England, and we were trying to hail a cab to get to the Lowe's 84th Street of Broadway. A limo pulled up, and in a true New York 90s fashion, where are you going? Oh, well, we're going, uh, you know, 10 blocks that way. Hop in, five bucks. <laughs> so nice. we just wow. hop in the back of the stretch limo and get dropped off in front of the movie theater. And that was, I remember going to see Pulp Fiction. I think it was That's a midnight amazing. showing, midnight showing of Pulp Fiction. I don't know how that so doesn't good. make it your number one movie. It was a great, yeah. it was a great night. This is number, it's like two with a, two with an inch, you know? know. Yeah, First love. You yeah. can, all First of these love. are not going to, like, you, you can be like, well, what's your, what's the best Star Wars movie? It's probably Empire. What's your favorite Star Wars movie? Star Wars. Mm-hmm. It's the one. It. Yeah. Uh, I often describe this movie. Uh, this is a movie that, if I watch it, I can I can say every single line as yeah. I go through the movie. Which, by the way, no one likes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's again, I could watch this anytime, any place. My wife and I both, you know, we'll we'll watch it at the drop of a hat and have for years. I always describe the dialogue in it as music. Yeah. The dialogue in it feels like lyrics to me. I recall it the same way that I recall music. It's you know, there's there's not a single scene in that movie that if I think about it doesn't make me laugh. You just shot Marvin in the face. Yep. I kept that watch up my ass. I had to crash <laughs> that Honda. Hiding in a bowl of rice in Indochina. I don't know how long it is. I it I think it's shorter than I think it is because I think of it as really long because there's so much stuff in it. And like, what's the fucking plot? Could you describe that plot? No. no, you don't even yeah. know what they're hunting for. Right, you don't know what it. Yeah, exa- yep, you exactly. You don't know the yeah. stakes. You don't know what it is. It's just MacGuffin. Two and a half hours. Two hours. Really? Yeah. Like uh, people are like Josh, what's your favorite movie? And I'll say Jaws and Star Wars and Goodfellas. Yeah, yeah. I, and and this is you know inches of those. Yep. And I again, I I saw it at college, but in like there was a theater that we had there. You guys know that, but. You know, you know, and you, I watched it, you know, slack jawed, mouth agape. You know, every one of those songs in that soundtrack will transport me, you know, into that world. I I could not love it more. And uh, I always wonder, like, how subjective this is because of how old we are. There's no subjectivity in art. It's all object. It's all, I mean, there's no, there's no objectivity. No, I I know, I know. But like, I know that there's a thing like younger people are like, I don't know why you like these movies. I was like, how do you not like these movies? Like, I don't. Uh, I I just love it. Uh, yeah, Woo. so good. The problem here now is I want to watch about four of these. Not, so not many are well, streaming. So, That's what I found out. So so now I was. I know yeah. we're running long. This episode is going to be long, but but we but um I did want to go back because I did look on Rotten Tomatoes mm-hmm. to see what the rest of the world thinks. Uh-oh. And so according to Rotten Tomatoes, this is the breakdown. You ready? Uh-huh. Um, number nine, Death Proof. Number eight, Hateful Eight. Number seven, Kill Bill. Number six, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. <laughs> Number five, Jackie Brown. Number four, Jan- Jan- Django Unchained. Number three, Inglorious Bastards. 
Number two, Reservoir Dogs. And number one is Pulp Fiction. So interesting to see where we align, but also fucking Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, number number six. Come on. (laughs) I think it's really interesting that all of our lists were within inches of each other. Oh, I'm not surprised that I'm not surprised at all. I know we never we didn't discuss it. We didn't go over it. You know, we were all within one or two of each other and, you know, one or two examples that I think all represent uh, our own specific tastes a little bit. You know, I like Westerns more, so mine's higher than Ron's or, sure, you know, yeah, I like, yeah, I like, you know, whatever I like. I don't even know what I like. God, so I know hard. what you don't like. That's yeah, what I you know. know. I, I don't, don't know like, what Ron yeah. likes, but I'm positive of what he doesn't like. Yeah, here's the thing. You know what I don't like, but the things I do like, I love. Yes, you do. <laughs> oh, man. I can't wait for you guys to come over and play my Pulp Fiction pinball machine. So, I I'd mean, like to do that. God, there's no director where I get more excited when there's a film coming out, when I see the the eighth film by Quentin Tarantino in the trailer and just go, mm-hmm. let's go, let's get, let's do this. Let's go. I mean, yeah. Oh, yeah can, so. can I know, by the way, on, on the topic of the pinball machine, it is, it was done in the style of the early nineties per Tarantino. Nice. Like, like there's no, there's no animation. There's no screen with like anything like that. It's just alphanumeric number. Like he said, the, the machine has to fit in the movie, which I just love. I love that. Like that's great. What so, year does it take place? The movie. I think you don't place, know. Yeah, you don't know, but it de- definitely early nineties. So it's like, <laughs> Ooh, all right. So there you there's go. Cell phones. There's a cell phone in it. Isn't if there? I'm curt with you, it's because time is of the essence. So <laughs> there's the Tarantino rankings. These are our personal rankings. Also, again, <laughs> I want to re- re- reiterate: no one is saying any of these movies are bad. Even though I, I can't even imagine watching Death Proof again. I didn't. I had a great time watching it with in the theater. So. I remember the first time they said Stuntman Mike. I was like, that's amazing. Yep. Yeah. So there you go. Those are our top nine Tarantino ranking films. Uh, if you want to tell us what your Tarantino films are, you can always write us contact at ifanboy.com, put media explode in the subject line, or, you know, tell us on Instagram. I, I fanboy comics on Instagram is where we are. Uh, we have our weekly pick of the week show where Josh and I talk about the week's comics. Ron is on all about Android every Tuesday. And uh, yeah. There you go. Thanks for the patrons. We love doing this show. We're so happy the patrons have un- unlocked it for us. Patreon.com slash iFanboy. If you want to be a patron, you can be one of as little as a dollar a month and uh, helps keep the bills paid and opens up shows like this for everybody. I don't think Buddy Holly's much of a waiter. <laughs> Every restaurant that's slow I've been in my entire life. <laughs> All right. Well, until next month, we'll be back with something. I don't know what it'll be, but it'll be something. Until then, I'm Connor. I'm Ron. I'm Josh. You wanted to do a quote there. I could tell you couldn't come I up couldn't, with one. I know. Like yeah, I yeah, was like, I, I, yeah. I hadn't prepared it you in my head at all. Quote or, you could, or Robert Evans' voice and you just went normal. Yeah. Well. Your you brain know. broke. We broke Josh. <laughs> they had a teenage wedding and the old folks pushed them well. You could see that Pierre did truly love the mademoiselle. The young monsieur and madame have rung the chapel bell C'est la vie, c'est the old folks It goes to show you never can tell